Corporation. Good morning. You just never know. Last Sunday we came in, set everything up. It wasn't working, so I was kind of going um, by the seat of my pants, so to speak. And right away I see a problem. Let me try it this way. I see why, okay. I thought it was running good. Let's try again. Okay. I'm ready now. So you know my opinion of creation versus evolution. Here's your challenge for today. Put these parts in a sealed box, shake until you get a watch. <laughs> today I'm going to talk about it takes intelligence. It takes a plan. It does, things just don't happen by themselves. I'm glad to see the young adult, the, the young children here teenagers and so on. For our young people in here, I've added some slides to kind of get on your level. I did find this on the internet. The road your mom and dad took to get to school. Okay? Yeah, when I was a kid, we walked to school. It was uphill both ways, and there was glass all over the sidewalk. So here it is. And if you look carefully, you'll notice down in this area, they kind of have to go a little bit vertical there. I want to clear up a few things from last week. We did not get to the video that I have on Leviathan. It is excellent. And I was thinking about this. Teachers have kind of a problem. When the bell rings, see ya. The pastor doesn't have that problem. If he goes over five or ten minutes, it's fine. I can't go over five or ten minutes. So if you're interested in that video, there's the link. You can always email me, and I can send you that information. I made this comment. I said, if this was chemistry, and I made a big circle here, if that was the body of chemistry knowledge, right? I said, this is how much I know. But you being in my class, you better listen because I know more than you. My wife says that sounds kind of arrogant. <laughs> you will get a special test. So here are some of the areas of chemistry that I've studied. Organic, inorganic, nuclear, or as a president pronounced it, nuclear, Physical chemistry, there was, a, there was a license plate, honk if you passed PCHEM. That was a joke at Purdue, because PCHEM is tough. 
biochem, cosmetic chemistry. I was actually in the field there. I worked for Blistex several summers as I was teaching in a Christian school in Downers Grove. Petroleum chemistry, analytical chemistry, and that doesn't cover all the fields. How much do I know? Maybe a part of one of the dots for the eye. That's how much chemistry I know. I was trying to point out that I just bow my knee to the great creator of chemistry. So today, after their kind, you can either blame or thank Bob Klein for this lesson. He mentioned this to me several weeks ago. I go, okay, I don't know much about it, but I'll study. And I remind you, I believe my job here is to encourage the believers not to pick up a Bible verse and necessarily talk about that. So those are the topics I want to talk about. We start with Genesis 1.21. God created this, uh, the great creatures and so on according to their kinds, according to its kind. We're going to see that a number of times in the presentation. And again, I have a little, a little advertisement here for a Bible app. It's the King James Version. The only problem with it is if you start it during church and you haven't brought the sound down, people around you will think you're playing Space Invaders or something because they give a commercial. And so <laughs> just bring it down. And so you just tap on a word and it gives you a definition of the word. It gives you the, the uh, Greek or the Hebrew. And then you can search for how many times it shows up in scripture. It's a very, very nice app. Again, Genesis 1, 24 through 25. Look how many times. According to their kinds. According to its kind. According to their kinds. According to their kinds. Throughout. Now, insert here your comment about pronouns. Are they having problems with pronouns? We have problems with pronouns? <laughs> Give me a break. But I want you to notice, kind is kind of important. Okay, We'll get to that a little bit later. Which of these words actually is used in the King James Version of the Bible? Don't you like questions like this? You'd love them. Happiness. Responsibility. Hallelujah. Trump. Can anybody pronounce that word? Shekinah. The Shekinah glory of God. So, pick a word. Which one do you think actually is used in the King James Version of the Bible? Have you chosen your word? Okay, it's not Shekinah, it's not responsibility, it's not hallelujah, you go, wait a second, look it up, that Bible app, I used it this morning to check to make sure it was not there, the word hallelujah is used in Revelation, but hallelujah is never used, happiness, Trump is used how many got that right? 
Good for you. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The trump of God. <laughs> I fooled you again, didn't I? Man's classification. So what is this kind, and what is Linnaeus' classification? Let me give you a simple way of memorizing this. My very educated mother just served us nine do you say pizzas or do you leave Pluto out when you use that little mnemonic device? Which do you use? Here's your mnemonic device. King Philip came over for good spaghetti. Here it is. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. You'll notice kind is not in there, is it? This is man's classification system, which is different than God's classification system. So here we look at it again. And as you go down, very broad category, the animal kingdom down to the species. And I see this all the time. He couldn't have fit all those species on the ark. He wasn't commanded to put species on the ark. What was he commanded? Kinds. So a good rule of thumb is that if two things can breed together, then they are the same created kind. God gives his definition and then uses it. By the way, in Genesis chapter 1, God defines the day and then uses it. We do not have the right to change what he defines. Yes? Correct. But you've got different kinds of birds, like a blue jay and a cardinal, and they cannot mate. Uh, <laughs> I can't picture that. I can't picture birds mating at all. But <laughs> and, and I will, <laughs> I didn't say this this time, but I've said it before. I am not an expert in biology by any means. Do I know the answer to that question? Uh, no, I don't. Here is an excellent website. Again, I'd like to light the fire for you to do some investigation on your own and some videos for your children and some videos for yourself. In 1941, Frank Marsh coined the word baramen. It was derived by combining two Hebrew words, bara, created, and men, kind. This is what's used as a reference in Genesis 1. So here's an excellent video, which we cannot hear because I've got the sound turned off on my computer. If we didn't know that, could we test in the present day and show that humans are related to each other? That's a pretty easy way. Can a man from one part of the world marry a woman from a completely different part of the world and reasonably expect to have children? Yes, because we are all from the human race, right? From one group that God made. So, can we do this with animals? Well, let's try it out. Let's start with cats. Anyone got a house cat for a pet? Yeah, cute little animals. Are they related to tigers? Hmm, can they breed with tigers? That's probably not gonna work. No, I think the tiger's gonna eat the house cat. But 
We can breed a tiger with a lion, and we'll get a hybrid that's called a tigon, or a liger, depending on who the father was. We can also breed a lion with a leopard, and we can breed a leopard with a cougar, and we can breed a cougar with an ocelot, and you probably see where this is going. We can breed an ocelot with a house cat. We can also breed a house cat with the sand cat, which is the smallest wild cat today. So from the largest species of cat to the smallest, they are all connected together. They belong to a single group, even if you can't breed every single individual in there. Actually, you can also breed house cats with servals, who can also breed with caracals. Ocelots can breed with bobcats, who can breed with lynxes. And leopards, lions, and tigers, they can all breed with jaguars. And that's every genus of cat living today connected together. So the cats belong to one group. They are related to each other. So here's where we think the baramen, somewhere in the order of the family, that's what we think are kinds, all right? So before I talk about birds and fish, and I'm going to check and see how long Bob takes, I've asked him to come up and present, because he's the expert. I'm not the expert. I'm a chemist. I'm not a biologist. So come on down, Bob. You're the next contestant, and the price is right. We'll start with that. Where's the music? <laughs> is there music supposed to be going? No. There's some music for my intro, my uh, oh. entrance. <laughs> Uh, do you want me to sing something? Okay. I'll sing on a hill far away. Okay. Is uh, is my sound on? Is it okay? Is it, you guys is it gone? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> you wish it wasn't. Uh, I've asked some help. So, um, Doug, would you read Genesis 1, verses, verse 11 and 12? And 13, uh, which refer to day three of creation. Starting at 11? Yeah, 11 through 13. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the earth yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. All right, thank, thank you. You see that same repetition uh, that Dan talked about. I thought you said this space would, bar. would you, oh, okay. Oh, space bar is not responding. He's just like my wife. You know what he did? He came up and tried to space bar. <laughs> oh, there are two things that look like it could be the space bar. <laughs> okay, Jake, would you read uh, verses 29 and 30, referring to day six of the Genesis 1 creation account? And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Thank you. Thank you, Doug and Jake. Um, 
I'm not terribly well qualified to speak of the this, this science of um, uh, plant life and of reproduction, plant reproduction, though I am, I am acquainted with it. I've spent a career of about 50 years in the seed business. And you can see why this portion of the creation account is particularly interesting to me. And I've made kind of a, a hobby uh, along the way of uh, comparing scripture with what I observe in the real world. Um, and I've come to the conclusion actually some time ago in this line of work that every time a seed germinates, a miracle has happened. And we're going to look uh, at a little detail, but not very deep. And uh, Edna says I get too deep in the weeds when I teach, so I'll try not to do that. Okay, let's see if the space bar works. How come, how come I got a different image on that one than I got on this one? Oh. <laughs> okay. All right, so I've, I've worked with corn and soybeans for about 50 years uh, with various uh, parts of the seed business from uh, seed production through uh, the science in the field, uh, troubleshooting, uh, crop problems, uh, fertility, uh, and a lot of exploration about genetics and which varieties or hybrids uh, uh, the seed companies should be using, and then I advised them that way. Uh, God's design in how he made plants is absolutely amazing. And the deeper you get into the study, the more amazed you'll be as you get down to the molecular level and see all the complexity and all the processes it takes for a, a plant to, to uh, flourish using sunlight, water, carbon dioxide, and soil nutrients uh, plants do what they do, and they, and they make the substance that sustains life on Earth. They're the food for uh, the basic uh, building block for the food chain. Consider the reproduction of plants. It's able to generate exact copies time after time after time after time. And if you saw the complexity and we'll speak just a, a little bit about the detail in a minute, but all that's going on, and it's, it's so complex, so many substances involved within a cell to make it happen, and yet it happens, and it happens, and it happens, and it happens. Here's, uh, here's, a, here's to make that point. Uh, I've got a picture there of an oak leaf, a fresh one, from a t a today's oak tree compared to a fossil of an oak leaf. Those fossils would have uh, been made in the flood. I don't, I, I, creation probably was 10,000 years ago, the flood, I, I, I did not look that up, I should have probably about 8,000 years ago would be my guess without looking at reference material, but that's an 8,000 year old fossil. Uh, 
here's a birch leaf today and a fossilized version. Look at this one, sassafras. A fresh one and the point I'm trying to make is they have bred true over all those copies uh, year in and year out. So if a tree, let's say uh, a tree changes every 100 years, and we're looking at 8,000 years, what's that, about 80 reps, that it's, that it's regenerated the same copy. It also allows his system for diversity within a kind. And here's a, just a, a pretty picture that illustrates that idea. So we can breed, but we have lots of variation available. Uh, for instance, in, you know, let's just say cattle, you know, you've got, you can have Angus, you can have uh, Herefords, you can have uh, Holsteins, and they will, they will all interbreed. Uh, those kinds have been separated through man's uh, manipulation over generations with, with selective breeding. So this ability to reproduce over generations is based on genetics using a blueprint system called DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid. It's a complex, elegant, and effective invention of our creator. And the more you study it, the more you'll stand in awe of an intelligence that could devise this system from nothing with no starting point. God, uh, as, as uh, you might have been able to, to gather from Dan's segment uh, to open this, that uh, God used this same DNA-based system for all living things, including mammals, birds, reptiles. They're all based on the same uh, system of, of genetics and inheritance. So... Uh, Earl, would you read this last passage, please? Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Exactly, exactly what I wanted. See if I can get mine started again. You know, I'm pushing the space bar here and nothing's happening. I wondered if you could come up and, and fix this for me. Well, it's doing the same thing. Okay. So birds and fish going to go through God this. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. Again, after their kind. So how many different types of nuts are there? Many of, of the list included seeds as nuts. So here's a question for you. Approximately 20, approximately 30, approximately 40, approximately 50. Pick your answer. Remember, in a few weeks during the final exam, it won't be free. It will cost you. So, you know, I don't know if you're taking notes, but... So have you picked one? All right. It's not 30. It's not 20. It's not 40. Approximately 50. How much has got them all right so far? <laughs> so here are some examples. You can look them over. You probably can identify some of those. I don't know if you can identify any of these. And of course, be fruitful and multiply after their kind, the ark. So he couldn't have taken all those species on the ark. How many of each kind did Moses put on the ark? Here are your choices. Two, seven, 40, zero. Pick your answer. You got an answer? It's not seven. It's not 40. It's not two. It's zero. How many got that one right? It, Moses didn't put any on the ark. No. <laughs> so how many did, did Noah put on the ark? And I'm not trying to trick you here. He didn't put them on the ark. God, God caused them to come. You ready? Pick an answer. You got it? Teachers don't try to trick you, do they? Zero, two, seven. <laughs> Have you read Genesis seven? Of every cl okay, clean versus unclean, sevens versus two. Again, here's one for the young people, just for you, especially those of you that are thinking about marriage. You see this beauty, you know, beautiful flowers, beautiful dresses, a wonderful ceremony. Your friends come in. You have family. You have meals. All this beautiful music, right? You see those kind of things? The beautiful gowns. The gowns that the, I'm going to wear this a bunch of times. As the fairy tale of happily ever after morphs into the daily grind of life, here's a picture of Jake and Emily's last date night. <laughs> Cut, combed, and coiffed hair, $30. Clean dress and cargo shorts, $25. Wash, wax, and riding mower, $20. Fancy restaurant, priceless. I don't get that. 
some things money can't buy. If money can't buy it, how's your credit card going to do it? Punnett squares. You did this in biology class when you were in ninth grade. Remember doing those? If two brunette parents have a blonde child, what? That means they must have had this hidden somewhere in their DNA. The idea is how could blonde making DNA be hiding in every cell of a brunette person's body without them growing any blonde hair? The answer is dominant versus recessive features. Now, we're going to pretend for this illustration that hair color depends on only one gene. That's oversimplification. There are many genes involved. And with a Punnett square, we use something like big B to stand for dark hair, little b to stand for blonde hair. Do you notice the difference in the spellings? Blonde versus blonde? Which way is it spelled? With an E for females, without an E for males. I had no idea. I learned something. This dark hair is a dominant gene. When I look out there, it looks to me like dominant genes taking over here. The little b, the, the blonde hair, is a recessive gene. So let's take these three combinations that you could have. Dark hair, dark hair, and blonde hair. So let's say the father is big B, little b. He's going to be dark-haired. The mother, big B, little b. She's, pardon me, brunette. Father's brunette, mother's brunette. Okay? We make these Punnett squares. We take the genes of the father, the genes of the mother, and we fill out the square. This does not say your first child's going to be a big B, big B. It's just 25% of the offspring are going to have this big B, big B. 25% is going to have the small B, small B. So, 75% of the offspring will have dark hair. 25% of the offspring would have blonde. The same thing is true of uh, eye color and, and the genes. And again, there's, it's more complicated than what we make it here. And it's trans the, the RNA comes from the DNA, which causes the proteins to make the eyes the color that they are. And so on and so forth. You probably could figure out whether what uh, traits the father and the mother have if they have enough children. If they only have one, you can't find out. If they have like 11, <laughs> you might be able to figure that out. I don't know why everybody's looking over here. Notice true scientists understand that mutations are harmful. They are not advantageous to the offspring. Now, here's something that I would throw in to my chemistry classes when things get a little dry, and they do from time to time. A little thought question here for you. Do you know what this represents? I'm getting you ready for the next thing that we're going to do. I will put things like this on the test as extra credit. This is a snake in the grass. 
put up pump. A little easier. Working outside or to work out. All right? All right, how about this one? I thought somebody would come up with that. This is a blocked punnet. Put up, pump. Thank you. of a genetic mutation or, 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 or an evolutionary process which ha can be seen to increase the information in the genome? She asked the question, can you give an example of a genetic mutation that gives an advantage or information in the offspring? That's the short version. Let's Can you give an example of a genetic mutation or, 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 or an evolutionary process which ha can be seen to increase the information in the genome? Seventeen second delay has turned into a thirty-five year delay. Can you just stop one? I think. I'm recording. Okay. There's a popular misunderstanding of evolution which says that uh, fish turned into reptiles and reptiles turned into mammals and, and so somehow we ought to be able to look around the world today and look, and look at our ancestors. We ought to be able to, to see the intermediates between fish and reptiles or between reptiles and mammals. We ought to be able to see fish kind of on the way to becoming reptiles. But of course that's not the way it is at all. Fish are modern animals. They're just as modern as we are. They're descended from ancestors, which we're descended from. Way back 300 million years ago, there would have been an ancestor, which was the ancestor of modern fish and the ancestor of, uh, of modern, modern humans. And that ancestor, if you could have been there then, you could have seen the first steps towards a fish, uh, say, coming out onto the, onto the land and, be, and becoming, um, becoming a, something like an amphibian. But that was a long time ago. You wouldn't expect to see that today. And so uh, uh, quite a lot of the misunderstanding of evolution, I suppose, I suppose stems from the fact that people are looking at modern animals and thinking that Darwin has said we're descended from them. Well, we're not. We're not descended from, from modern fish. We're not descended from modern monkeys. We're not descended from modern apes. They are modern animals just as we are. They are our cousins. They're not our ancestors. Did he answer the question? No, he did not. Well, Doc, Dawkins to himself is thinking, I'll just answer a different question. Nobody will notice because I'm brilliant. He did not answer the question at all. And, and I've seen the entire thing on YouTube, and there are people underneath that go, what a brilliant answer. Outstanding. And you're going, he didn't answer the question. I, I don't want to listen to that again. If evolution is true, why are there still monkeys? Please don't say this. See, here's the idea that you're projecting, that a monkey turns into a man over millions of years. That's not what evolution teaches. Evolution teaches that a ape-like predecessor evolves through a series of steps to become a man into the modern ape or monkey.
We believe in change. Absolutely, we believe in change. We just don't believe in the change from molecules to man. <laughs> Look at this. We believe in change. God only required two, maybe seven, pairs of those animals on the ark. And then after the flood, we have all these varieties. And then this variety. Oh, the happy dog. Oh, just a happy, happy, happy. Good my happy, happy guy. Oh, just a happy, happy, happy guy. Oh, just a look at that happy. Oh, the happy dog. Oh, just a happy, happy, happy. Good my. Look at the varieties. Incredible. Incredible. Okay. I need a volunteer. Can be anyone. Okay. You'll need a safety specs. This is a chemistry demonstration that I did in my chemistry class for years. You need to practice this before we do it. You're going to take a test tube, probably over the paper towel. Pour it, pour it, pour it from one test tube into the other, right? And then, after you're done pouring it, hold it up. Can you do that? Okay. Yep. One into the other. One, two, three. It's called a clock reaction. It is one of my favorite reactions and we, we would do a lab every year on this. There was a reason I did this lab. All right, let's try it again with those two. But this time, go a little faster and hold it up so that they can see the change in front of their eyes. Very good. <laughs> is that cool or what? <laughs> that is ab, yes. <laughs> Count on Earl. <laughs> that is yes, that's a missing ink. Keep those on. Keep those on. Can you just sit down for a moment? Because I want to I wanna go a little further. So here's from Frontier High School 2007. And there's the data that the, the kids brought to me and we put and and then I actually used Excel to make a chart, a graph, right? You see, you can see we did time of reaction versus temperature. What do you think happens as you change the temperature, as you cool something down? The reaction goes slower, so the time increases, right? That wasn't enough data points for me. There was one that looked kind of uh, screwy up there. So I took Jeff, 1999. Some of you weren't even born then. And there's the data. And then I would have the kids. These are questions right from the lab. Predict the reaction time at 28 degrees Celsius. All right? So let's take that graph. I don't know, this is sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. 
let's uh, make a highlighter. And you could actually use least fitting squares, all kinds of things to try to, I'm just going to draw a graph in there. It looks like it might start going like that. And then you pick that temperature that I gave you, right? And you can predict what the time of the reaction is. You with me? This is science. I am science. All right? Predict the time. Then I would have them predict the time at 65 degrees Celsius. I'm reminding myself not to draw on that graph. Again, draw the graph, extend it out, right? By the way, one's called interpolation, the other's called extrapolation. All right? So, you saw how fast that reaction took. Here's a couple test tubes that I've kept in ice water. Let's try that one. What do you think, faster or slower? which means the time should go up. Very good. Was it slower? I'll have kids do pour it back and forth and spill some on the floor, and they go, oh, it even changed on the floor. <laughs> you can take two books, and thank you for your help. How come you get an applause? I don't. <laughs> Nothing like asking for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you are getting that special test. So, predict what happens at 65 degrees. I'm not going to extend the, the graph out there. What do you think? When you do this experiment, it doesn't change. It doesn't turn blue, bluish black. The ingredients decompose. That's called extrapolation to go outside of known data means. Predict at minus five, minus five Celsius. What happens to liquid solutions of water at zero degrees Celsius? turns into ice cubes. It's slightly lower than zero, but only by fractions of degrees. So you pour two blocks of ice together. What happens? See? What, you're arguing with science? I am science. This is a calculation outside of known data means could be wrong. Are you with me? Interpolation, you didn't say anything go wrong. You probably can pick those numbers and, and predict pretty carefully. So why did I take the time to show? Doug asked me one time, so why did you explode that bottle? Because I could. <laughs> why did I show that demonstration? Every known radiometric dating method used on rocks and fossils demands you go outside of known data points. Are you with me? Could they be an error? Absolutely. 
So when we look at this, these are Darwin's finches, right? When you see Darwin's finches and dogs, the evolutionist says molecules to man, right? The Christian says no. Animals reproduce after their kind. There are reproductive boundaries or limits. And then when you ask the premier evolutionist in the world, Richard Dawkins, can you give us an example of a genetic change that seems to increase the information in the next generation? And he sits there for 35 or 40 years and doesn't give you an answer. By the way, they will give you answers in bacteria. And when, when you look at it, it's actually a loss of information. It's not a gain of information. It's a loss of information. The basic idea is this. God created with boundaries, limitations. They, they reproduce after their kind. They're bare men. And we marvel as Bob pointed out, that over these thousands of years, minimal changes have occurred. Again, and he used this word, I'm going to borrow it, I am in awe of the Creator. And that concludes, so I get an applause now because I'm done, right? <laughs>